Hey guys, it's Sudoshi from Mudo.com and today I'm doing a video, another one of my 101 business, 101 African business ideas YouTube, uh, videos. And today's business, African business ideas is da -da -da -da, exclusively African dictionary. Now, I know what you're thinking. Don't we have that already? African dictionaries? The, um, I beg to, I'm not sure that we do. I have an Igbo dictionary. Um, but it's Igbo to English dictionary. And I've seen many people, I've seen many other language dictionaries that are generally a, 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 a dictionary from one language to another. And so what I want to do today is I want to break down for you the, what a dictionary actually is and, um, the differences between a dictionary and a lexicon because the fact of the matter is the idea and the concept of a dictionary and the Webster's dictionary that was made popular in the United States and that exists even now throughout the rest of the world is not a common, it's not a common uh, concept. And it, never, it hasn't always been a concept that has existed in many parts of the world. So don't be, don't feel bad that Africa or, or your country in Africa doesn't have a dictionary. It's just not common. And it wasn't something that was always done. It wasn't something that always, you know, that every country always wanted to do. It's just something that, you know, someone thought of at a certain point. And I'm actually going to break down for you the actual uh, history of how it got started in America. So let's first look at Wikipedia on dictionaries. Um, here you have listing of dictionary on Wikipedia and you see here that they say that a dictionary, their definition of a dictionary is a collection of words in one or more specific languages, often arranged alphabetically or by radical and stroke, by radical and stroke for ideographic uh, languages. Now, when they say radical and stroke, that means like, for example, um, languages like uh, Chinese or um, Insibidi, they have like uh, different types of uh kind of character, um, character architecture. I don't know what to call it, but like, you know, it's not just an alphabet system like ABC, but there's actually other features of the alphabet that may, um, that are actually significant that you might want to consider in the, uh, alphabet as well that you would have to, that you would categorize it by. Uh, I hope that made sense. Okay, so you would category, you would, you, it's basically an arrangement of words in some way, shape, or form, which may include information on definition. So it does, it says may, which means it doesn't have to include this information, but it may include information on definitions, usage, etymologies, which means the origin of the word, um, phonetics, which means the way the words are pronounced. Um, pronunciations, phonetics is more so, um, it, it's some other, another, another aspect of pronunciation and then translations, translations, meaning what we typically see in African dictionaries, which is translating from English to Igbo or translating from, um, uh, Amharic, which they speak in Ethiopia to German, for example, um, or a book of words in one language with their equivalent in another. So translations could be, it could be from one language to another, but it could be something else, which is what they're distinguishing here, sometimes known as a lexicon. So what we generally have in Africa is lexicons, which is just 
okay, we have the word for dog, and then we have the Igbo, we have Igbo, we have the English word dog, and then we have beside it the Igbo word inkita. Or we have the Igbo word light, and then we have, or we have the Igbo word fire, uh, English word fire, and then we have Igbo ako. So we have like a list of le a lexicon, word, word, uh, exact word translation, word for word. And that's generally what we have. So we, these get sold and it's easy to sell them. Uh, but I'm going to tell you why a, a more, um, language exclusive, uh, African, ex uh, ex uh, exclusive, exclusively African, uh, dictionary would be an extremely profitable and beneficial, um, business idea in a second. So let's continue. The w Wikipedia says it is a lexicographical product, a dictionary is, which shows interrelationships among data. Okay. So it, it shows interrelationship, meaning that it shows the relationship between one piece of data and another piece of data. So I'm not going to read this entire, um, Wikipedia article, you can just go to wikipedia.org forward slash wiki forward slash dictionary. Um, but I just wanted to kind of give you, get, I just wanted to, I just wanted to show this to you to show you that there is a difference between what we have now and a dictionary. And I wanted to show you that there is, that it is a fact that it is possible to think that what we have are dictionaries and there is a distinction and for between that and what, what actually is known as a dictionary. Now, um, later on in this article, you're going to see that there are actually, there's actually a history of dictionaries and when they were first created, they have the history of them here and they have like this, um, this whole, like, uh, they, they have like the first, they have like word lists that existed back in two, 2300 BCE, which a word list in itself is considered a form of dictionary because you know, it's just like a list of words. Okay. So we have, so our language is comprised of this list of words. Now there is certain that that's actually a significant innovation in itself because there are, because as you know, with, for example, Igbo language, um, in CBD as a written language, what existed primarily between a group of people in the Igbo community. So that means there's a large group of Igbo speakers who never wrote anything down. So they may speak a language knowing amongst each other what they believe to be their communication style, but having it to be written down and um, standardized amongst themselves is not the, is, is, has not been innovative. It has not been, it has not an innovation that they have uh, recognized amongst themselves. So it's actually a, a significant innovation to have your language written down and con and communicate and, and, and agreed upon. So, um, so for this particular group of people in 2300 BCE to have a word list, regardless of whether they have an, a, a translation of that word list, um, an agreed upon translation of that word list is still significant and them to call it a dictionary um, to, for this, uh, this Wikipedia article to call it a dictionary is still relevant. Um, because it's like, okay, we have diction only means kind of like, uh, it's like word, it's like a, it's like a language term. I think it means like word or something like that diction, but airy is just kind of to give it the, uh, kind of, you know, it's just like a qualitative suffix, Quali qualitative suffix. I don't know what airy means, but it's like a qualitative su suffix. But dictionary, like it's a, it's a word 
list. But anyway, the the word list that they had in 2300 BC counts as a dictionary because it, it's like a it's like a collection of words that establishes okay this is our vocabulary for our group of people. Um, and then you know um, tw in the second millennium BCE they said that these guys had a glossary in the in Babylon the Babylonians had their own word list a Chinese dictionary in the third century BCE was the earliest surviving monolingual dictionary um, and then they had all the, they're just talking about all this these dictionaries that existed in, um, in there's this Amorite Aramaic one and it's easier for these guys because they had paper for example paper was something that was um, an innovation predominantly in in Asia and um, I believe parts of the Middle East, I, I believe these were part, these were areas where paper was, and even then paper was still a rare commodity. And it wasn't until the printing press that occurred, uh, in the Middle Ages, I believe, that, um, that, that, that mass production of paper became, uh, like the, uh, became a thing. And then, you know, mass production of, um, religious, not religious, uh, religious, uh, writings and stuff like that. But that's not what I came to talk about today. I came here to talk about dictionaries. So um, let me now talk about a little bit of the history of the American dictionary. So I looked that up. I looked up the history of Webster's dictionary for you. And um, so the guy, his name was Noah Webster. So this guy was an ambitious mofo. He actually wrote the dictionary he completed his dictionary. I think he complete, I don't think he's completed the first version of his dictionary at age 70, 70 years old. So for all of you people who think it's too late for you, um, to start your own business, check out Noah Webster. He actually started, he, he actually co finished compiling in 1828, 1828, which is three centuries ago, I think two centuries ago. This is 2018, 20, 1828. This is 2020. This is 2017. 19. 19. So this is two centuries ago. This is about 200 years ago. This guy, Noah Webster, um, created at age 70, created, this is 200 years ago, guys. This is two two generations like not really two generations per se but like about three generations if you really say each generation is about 80 years or so but like this is literally a stone's throw away from us what we consider to be the american lexicon is only about 200 years old and let me explain what i mean by that so he's basically spent several decades of his life this is his life's work compiling his dictionaries creating these dictionaries. So about like 20, 40 years or so, I think it was like, uh, like 20 or 20 to 40 years, I think it said, um, just creating these dictionaries, just, co co just co compiling words, these word lists. And basically the version of the dictionary he had was pretty much just like, and his, and his, um, dictionary had about 70,000 entries in it. So just here's the word, here's the definition of the word. So the word cat means a four-legged feline blah 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 the word feline means a blah 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 the word this means a blah 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 a word light means uh a bright luminescent blah, blah a word luminescent means a blah 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 see that is what he created so and he did this with he did this seventy thousand 
iterations 70,000 times uh, with 70,000 words. And I'm telling you that this is something that is not that a human being did. A, a man who did this until he was 70 years old. And I'm sure his wife was a very patient woman and his kids were very patient people because he did have children, which they talk about in this article, who were his successors and who uh, sold his work after he died. But um, so they clearly um, had to eat. So... <laughs> So uh, let's go on. So basically he spent several decades compiling his dictionaries. And this was not just a an act of, you know, oh, I'm just going to do this because it's fun. This time, the time he spent when he was doing this, this was 1828. So this was actually a time when America was in turmoil um, due to it just, uh, it was, they just, got through with the American Revolution. They had just gotten their independence from uh, Britain recently. Um, so America was kind of in turmoil a little bit. They were kind of going through growing pains, figuring out who they were. They were going through an identity crisis at the time. Um, and actually the dictionary, the American, the Webster's Dictionary was actually had a lot of opposition when it was first written. Um, it was because people thought some people actually said it was it was it was wrong to do this it was vulgar to 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 try to do this but in his head his mentality was that this was a rev like he actually knew when he was doing this that it was a revolutionary act to try to standardize the language what he was actually doing was trying to standardize the language actually let me make my face bigger so that you can see <laughs> see the intensity of what i'm saying Basically, what he was actually trying to do was trying to standardize the language. He was trying to standardize standardize American English. In fact, he called it, actually, I'm going to make my face smaller again so that I can show you where it says here that this was actually a revolutionary act that he was, um, that he was doing by doing this. Um, where did it say this? So he said, this says here, Webster was a proponent, proponent of English spelling reform for reasons both philo 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 philological and nationalistic. Um, so nationalism is a concept in, um, in, 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 um, in government and in history and in all these things, nationalism. I'm sure many people are familiar with that term, but it's, it's very, you know, so here it says impact. So um, culturally conservative federalists, denounced the work as radical, too inclusive in its lexicon, and even bordering on vulgar. Meanwhile, Webster's old foes attacked the man, labeling him as mad for such an undertaking. So like saying that he's crazy, he's crazy for doing this. Um, so what am I saying? I'm saying that it's, it may be met with opposition. Some people who may think, oh, you know, you can't standardize a language. Oh, don't do that. You know, you don't, you know, kind of like how um, Nigerians we have the whole central Igbo versus Anambra dialect kind of, but it's like, you know what? Webster wrote, wrote his dictionary and guess what? We still use it today. Why? Because he actually did it. it, it like whoever, the first one who actually does something and actually does it well and it gets adopted, that's the one we're going to use in history. That's the one that our children and the next generation are going to use. No one can argue with results. No one. So you can complain all you want when somebody is in the process. Everyone wanted to complain when Noah was building his ark. But when the people who survived survived, all the dead people, who's going to complain? Dead men tell no tales, right? So 
you know, the beneficiaries are not going to complain when the uh, pro about the finished product. So I say, if you want to do something, just do it. Um, that's what I'm trying to say. So when I, what I'm saying about this dictionary situation is I know it's a difficult undertaking. I know it's one of those things where, okay, where do I get started? How do I do this? Is it really worth it? Let me just say one more thing about the, uh, the, the Webster's Dictionary. So new conversations about national identity and the redefinition of what it means to be American um, came about. Webster actually defined his project as a federal language. And obviously, like I said before, it was not without controversy. So anyone undertaking such a project has to realize that this is something that would be a controversial project. Now, I only say all that, I didn't say all that to discourage you. Now that I've given you a little bit of the history of the dictionary, I'm going to now um, go into the uh, the whole concept of the African, um, exclusively African dictionary uh, business. Um, and so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to break down three points to you. Number one, why is it beneficial? And number two, number two, how to do it. And number three, what makes it lucrative? So let's start with number one. Why is it beneficial to us? So what makes it beneficial is the, the big thing that makes uh, having an African, exclusively African dictionary to us. And by exclusively African dictionary, I mean an African a dictionary that has African words defined in specifically that African language. So if you have the word dog, like I said, in an English dictionary, you will see the translation of it in, in English. You would say dog, a, a four-legged animal uh, of the canine species that makes a barking sound um, that has a cold, wet nose. You know, you'll have some definitive qualities, but it will be explained in English, um, when you have an but but in Igbo dictionaries, you usually have it. You ha usually have the English def definition. So every Igbo word is defined in English. So everything comes back to English. And so um, I think it's essential and it's critical for us to have something that is going to be defined in our own language because it really helps for. Um, I think it's really beneficial to us to be able to define cultural words in our own language for multiple reasons. Uh, it, I think it helps for growth. I think it helps for gr uh, growth of our own language, first of all. Um, I think what I've noticed is that many of the languages that are dying today do not have the, uh, such, a, such a dictionary, um, I think, uh, or such a lexicon. One thing that causes languages to die is their inability to grow and adapt and really kind of branch out um, in this way. So if a, if a language is, is unable to um, expand itself, as if, if it's unable to adapt to changing times. So another reason why it's really, really important for us to have such a dictionary is that um, it, makes it, e it makes it easier for us to communicate about other concepts. It, it, number one, it's really good for teaching. So if we want to teach our, the, young, the next generation about how to communicate about another concept in the same language, then we have a resource, we have a reference book for us to be able to pass on to our children and say, hey, 
you know, for example, not everyone can, not, no one, no evil person is able to pass on every body of knowledge. Our brains are limited. We can only remember so much. And right now, Igbo is predominantly an oral tradition, but nobody knows everything. So you can't keep expecting every, you can't keep expecting the old people to pass down the information to the younger people. We need books. So, um, at the end of the day, we need a book that is able to pass down the lexicon. And that's why you see the, the Webster's Dictionary kept getting bigger and bigger every year to the point where we had dictionaries that were like bigger than the Bible. Um, so at the end, so now we have computers that can, that can contain, you know, millions and billions of books, eventually trillions. And so, and even more than that, Google's. <laughs> um, so as far as, uh, children, as, as far as passing down the information, uh, dictionaries are a great way to do that because the, uh, the article that I was reading to, um, during my lecture was pretty much saying that there, there can be, there can be a, an entire, uh, area of knowledge that we don't have words to even communicate in. For example, scientific research. Um, you know, there, there's words like photosynthesis in English that if you go to certain parts of America, people don't even know what photosynthesis is because they are not biologists. So, but if you gave them a dictionary and they were like, oh, you tell them photosynthesis, like, what? Oh, let me look that up in a dictionary. You know, how many of us even today who are fluent English speakers have to go to the dictionary to look up particular words because we don't really understand that particular word. So you still need the dictionary, no matter how smart you are, no matter how far you get along in life, no matter how, no matter how advanced you are in life, you still need the dictionary. And not only that, but even when I was, when I was, uh, when I was, uh, I think I was 16 years old, I had a book that was called Word Power Made Easy. And it taught me, and it was, it was so big, it was such a good book because it taught me, uh, Latin roots of major words that were used in the English language. And I, and I credit that book for why my vocabulary is as strong as it is today because there were certain words that I never really understood where the words roots came from. Like to know what the word egoist versus egotist is. The only reason I know the difference is because of that book. And to know Latin roots such as, um, I don't know, but like there are certain Latin roots that, that, that came up and certain like, you know, the uh, etymology of certain words. Um, so that the, the purpose of the book was to help you to actually see a word and recognize what it means through, um, through, uh, in, what's the word through, um, in, uh, to, through infer inference. So you infer what the word means. Even that word infer was from the, the only reason I know what it means is from that book. Like you, you, you just kind of, you can, you can, you can, you can kind of, um, infer what that word means through, um, because you know what the root means, you know, where the word comes from in Latin. Um, so things like that, like if you, if you can break down what that word means, uh, what that, where that word came from, then you know what the word means. And so things like that are, are, are types of resources that we need. And Igbo is a type of, is a language for, I'm specifically talking about Igbo because that's the language that I'm familiar with. That's the only African language that I'm familiar with. So Igbo is a type of word that you can actually break it down to its roots. You can actually find the roots of the Igbo language and um, break it down into a lexicon and be able to trace a particular word and trace the roots of that word and create 
a such a such a book a dictionary that actually has the roots and the etymology and things like that and 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 actually sell such a thing to people and have something for people to actually be able to okay this is something that's useful for me and have like you know SATs and people taking the test and being able to you know pass and standardize and um and find something extremely useful to to, to actually grow in knowledge and wisdom and and advancing the language and advancing the culture so um that is why it's beneficial so i think i think that's enough of a reason why it's beneficial so i'm going to leave it at that the main reason why in summary the main reason why having such a dictionary will be beneficial is predominantly for the advancement of the of the culture and the society so that the culture of the, your african culture whatever culture that may be whether it's from kenya ethiopia um Igbo, mali um you know um uh, Zimbabwe, uh, Sudan, whatever country you're from, so that your culture does not die. That's the main reason why this is a beneficial project um, for anybody to take up. Now, how to do it. So the way to do it is essentially, like I said before, a exclusively African dictionary would essentially be you take the word that you want to um, togare to, to uh, translate, and you translate it in your language. Don't translate it into German. Don't translate it into English. Don't translate it into French. Translate it into your language. So for example, you can take, um, if an American wants to translate, to, uh, to wants to uh, define the word soup, they would say what? They would say a watery mixture of, you know, beef and, you know, broth and you know some vegetable substance or some chunky substance or i don't know they'll 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 come up with a definition but they will use their language's words to define it unless they're specifically trying to translate for a non-native speaker they're not going to be defining it in someone else's language they'll be defining it in their own language and the, and this is a revolutionary idea because it's very culturally it's very culturally um, biased. It is. It's very culturally biased. It's very culturally inward. And this is a very uniquely, like, I, I gave you the historical implications of this because during the American Revolution, this is a very specifically, like, the, the historical implications of this is extremely important because this these are the things that made America what it is today. And so if you are, if you want to understand the cultural, the global context of this, this is something you need to consider. So I don't want to you to lose the, the gravity of what I'm saying and the difficulty of the task um, or the con or the con contra controversy or the radicalness or the revolutionist the revolutionariness, even though that's not a word, of the idea. And I know what I'm saying sounds a little bit like off the wall, you know, whatever, but take it for what it is. Okay, so how to do it? Just take your language, translate it into your own language. That's it. If anyone wants to do this, this guy did it until he was 70 years old and he kept doing it until he died. And uh, you can check out Wikipedia for more information. Um, so what, what makes it lucrative? So what makes it lucrative is it is lucrative. Trust me. Um, I would buy the book. I'm pretty sure there's a host of people who would buy this book. Um, First of all, because nobody wants to see their language die. 
Um, I'm, I know that there's a market for this book. Trust me. First of all, um, I've seen, I know that first, I know that there is, um, cause you may think, oh, well, if I make this, you know, who can afford the book? Because people in Africa can't afford this book. There are a lot of black people outside of Africa in the diaspora who want to learn an African language. And let me tell you that right now, let me say this again for you for emphasis. There are a lot of black people who have traced their roots to Africa who are interested in learning an African language and have very little resources to do it. Right now, the only resources that we have are some kind of English to something dictionary or German to something or whatever to something. And those are not the best way to learn a language. The only reason people, the only reason I'm so fluent in English now is because I grew up hearing only English. I grew up in the entire context in which I grew up in the words that I learned and the translation of the words that I learned and the experiences that I had, the TV shows that I had, every experience that I had was in English. The only reason I can speak or understand any Igbo is because there were some experiences that I had that were exclusively in Igbo. So what am I saying? You need to have some experiences that are exclusively in that other language, exclusively, not shared with any other language in order for you to have any type of fluency in another language. If you share that experience with another language, it's going to not be fully, because you're going to be paying attention to the, it's going to be uh, this dissonance that's going to occur. So you have to, uh, it has to be this emergence happening. You have to literally, you can't share because the, the area of your brain that's called the frontal lobe is going to literally be uh, competing for attention. You're going to have to suppress, it's called the uh, stroop. It's called, the, I think it's the, called the stroop effect or something like that, where you're going to be trying to like suppress your understanding of one language to try to understand, you know, like to, so you literally have to be submerged and really fully emerge yourself into one particular language in order for you to, I mean, I'm making that thing about the street thing up a little bit, but I really believe that you have to be, you have to submerge yourself into, um, into a language in order for you to, so you can't be distracted by some other language in order for you to, um, get it. So, so what am I saying? I'm saying that in order for you, so there are people who are actually really invested and are willing to pay top dollar. That's why people buy Rosetta Stone. That's why people pay all this money to go to African ancestry. That's why people pay all this money to find out what their heritage is. That's why people go to Africa all these all the time for pilgrimages and do all this kind of stuff and buy all these like um, African prints and dashikis and things like that. People want to connect to Africa, especially black people. They know that there is a need. They know that there's something more. They know that they're, they, they know that they, they know that they need to connect. So don't feel, especially if you are in Africa, Africa, don't feel shy to do something like this. You of all people need to do something like this because number one, you hold the key, you have the language. And number two, um, you have probably the time. People here in America or uh, overseas in the diaspora are, have golden handcuffs. They're chained to another system where they have to, they have, they have t loans, they have bills to pay, they have to uh, pay back the system that kind of has them enslaved essentially to pay, you know, they're constantly, you know, paying different things to even just to breathe air and drink water. Um, but you generally who live in Africa, you could literally, you know, just go out and start writing something down. And before you know it, you have an entire dictionary. So I'm not saying that you can just do that in a day or anything like that. But I'm just saying, if you're trying to make money, 
here's something that you can do. So I hope that was helpful. Um, tune in next time. This has been a, this was a really long video, but I hope it was helpful. And I really, 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 really hope somebody does this, especially for the Igbo language. Um, because I definitely am not, the, I'm not, uh, skilled enough to do it. And I definitely don't have the time to do it. But if someone does it, uh, you will definitely be saving lives if anyone does this for any language whatsoever in, in Africa. So until next time, keep, uh, keep being creative. Love you. Mwah. Bye.